morning to you guys. What a, what a great time to be back after being apart for six months, literally today. It was on March 13th that we decided that it was best, for, in the best interest and the health of our church, to take a break and to step aside. And as you watching, some are watching still online because of their sensitivity to COVID or maybe their their own limitations or their, their just where they're at. And thank you for those who are watching, but also those who are in the room. And as I think about that, that the words of that last song, I just can't I came in driving in this morning just crying in my car and even crying down here listening to the words of that song because I want you to answer the question in your mind today, who is God to you? Now, I'm not saying we make God in our own image, but how has God shown up in your life? How do you know God? How well do you know God and how intimate and connected are you to God? I was with a man this past weekend a couple of different times, but we had our deep dive conversation in a park where he told me, he offered it up himself that, hey, I was born in an atheist home. I grew up in an atheist. I grew up as an atheist. I thought atheism was the right, was the, was the right truth until realizing as I grew older that it actually required more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a follower of God. However, he's not a follower of God. He made that 100% clear to me. He's kind of in between. In between somewhere of atheism to agnosticism to seeking to wandering through life. He's somewhere in there, but he told me very clearly this one thing. He said, I may be believing in that there is a God, but I am not believing in the church. I am not believing in the church. Basically, he goes on to tell me about his first marriage, his first wife, and what they had experienced in the church and how it was such a bad experience in the church that he actually gave up on the church and walked away from the church. Here I am this weekend having this conversation with this man in the park, and I'm thinking back 18 years ago when Grace Point launched, and we had a vision on that day in the very beginning of our church that we would be a church for those who've given up on the church but haven't given up on God. And I thought if we could somehow step into a vacuum, into a place, into a a place in society and hopefully restore to what God intended the church to be and what God could be in their life, then maybe we could restore that connection to God's family. Because it's really hard to be connected to God as your father, but not to Jesus or not, not to the church who's the bride of Christ. It's really hard to to separate the two out. But I had this conversation with this man, and, and really it came down to who is God to you? So who is God to you? And he was still working on who God was to him and how he connected with God. And it got me to thinking about a lot of questions that we ask in life. There's three questions. I was listening to a podcast recently. There are three questions that actually everyone, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but everyone asks these three questions. One is who are my parents? Okay, who are my parents? How did I get here? Are you my parents? If you're talking to your parents, I can remember at one time asking my mother, was I adopted? I don't know about you. Did you ever think, are, are you 100% certain that you are my parents? And how did I become your? And if you're adopted, then you're certainly in that stage of some point in your life when you're thinking, okay, how did I get here? 
Okay, what brought me to be on planet Earth? The second question that everyone asks is, why am I here? So first of all, how did I get here? Secondly is, why am I here? And the third question is, what's going to happen to me when I die? Whenever it's all said and done, what will happen? Will I just become uh, uh, food for the, for the worms in the earth? Or is there actually something after this? And I think it's hard to answer that, the, the, the questions that I have about myself, until I have a full grasp on who God is. It's once I understand who God is, then I can begin to understand these questions. Otherwise, I'm literally groping in the night, trying to figure out why on earth I am here. What is this all about? Grace Point exists to help you, to help people. To help the man that I was talking to in the park that had gone from atheism to believing that there was a God, but he wasn't going to dare darken the door of a church to try to explore who God was. Somewhere in the middle is where everyone is that is here today, or maybe you're on the other extreme. But we want to help. We exist to help you know God, to help you love people, and to help you live sent. This is why we exist as a church. It's why we hope that you will maybe consider this a home and a family. That, hey, maybe if I'm a part of that church, I will know God better. That will give me a sense of priorities. That will give me a sense of position of how I connect with God and how I fit into the scheme of God. And, and maybe loving people that I'll be able to actually add value to other people's lives and that I'll actually have community in this world and that I will belong and there will, I, will, I will be together in this time of isolation, in this time of social distancing. If there's one of the things I have learned to appreciate is the relationships with other people. So do I love people and how well do I love people? And then do I live sent? This gives me mission and purpose in life. This gives me a reason. And really, if I think about who, if I know who God is, then those other questions will fall into place. And those other questions about where did I, where did I come from and, and why am I here and what's going to happen to me when I die, if I know God, then it begins to answer the other bigger questions of life. Some of you have, been walk, have walked into Grace Point Church for the very first time today. And let me just say this. Thank you for coming. Thank you for trying us. Thank you for, for, for trusting us with an hour of your life so that hopefully we can maybe help connect a dot for you along that whole idea of knowing God and loving people and living sin. And what does that mean? We hope that you will consider being a part of this community, both the giving and the receiving from this community. But also I want to talk to those who are first time with us in the past six months. For six months, we've not been together. That's half a year. I know, and it's rocket science, right? It's half of a year that we have been apart. And we've literally talked to some of our church family members that have not watched, tuned in, checked us out the entire time. So basically, even when we were digital and trying to connect with people digitally, even then there was this major disconnect that happened. My prayers over the next few weeks, and I want to say this to those who are first time here, over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a part of this family called Grace Point. And those of you who have been a part of Grace Point, but for the past six months haven't been a part of Grace Point, I have some RE words for you. I want you to reconnect. 
I want you to reimagine. I want you to revive. I want you to reignite. I want to restore some of that relational disintegration that has happened. But it's going to take us together working on rebuilding what has been disintegrating over the past months. A third of those, Barna says, George Barna in his, in his study group, says a third of the people walked out of the church whenever it was in March that their church start, stopped meeting and never even considered attending church online or in person thereafter. A third. Now, that's a, that's a huge number to be that, that disconnected. What we want to do is we want to walk with you in reigniting what it means to be a part of the family of Grace Point. Hopefully when you came in, you grabbed one of our journals. This is your journal. This is a journal that I want you to keep with you and grab it on the way out. But I want you to really be thinking about, over the next few weeks and months, I want you to be thinking about, how well do I know God? How well do I love people? And what does it mean to live sent in my life? And, and literally, I intended not to... I, I intended all of my pages to be blank, but literally I woke up this morning and God was already downloading to me in one of those buckets right there. Something that he's teaching me right this moment. And I tell you, it is so fresh, it will bring me to tears to share it with you today. But it's where I am. And I hope that you will start re-engaging, another R-E word, re-engaging in that relationship with God. Because for some, it has been dormant and has been on the shelf for six months or longer. So what does it look like for you to know God? I mean, to really know God. And let me say this. If you're like, hey, Mike, I'm in. I I don't know what that means, but I'm going to make a commitment to you for the next three weeks. I am here. I am a part of this journey. Here's what I want you to do because I think there's value in connecting and making a commitment, okay? When you make a commitment, there's something more involved there. It's like, okay, I'm ready to cross that line and I'm ready to be here for the next three weeks to journey into this knowing God, loving people, living sin. Knowing God, loving people, living sin. What does that look like? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phones out and I want you to text in that you're here, okay? That I am GPC. And the way you do that is just text it in to 97000. If you are new to Grace Point, if you, have, uh, if you are, are, are brand new to Grace Point, by all means we want you to. But if you are like I am in the process of renewing and reconnecting to what it means to be a part of Grace Point Church and a part of this family. And you're saying, I'm going to commit to this. I will be here. What we're going to do is we're going to send surveys to you. We're going to, we're going to send some videos out during the week to, hide, again, try to stay engaged throughout this experience together. But I want us to talk about a story where Jesus helps us to get through the big questions of life. Take your Bibles and open to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 12 is where we'll be today. And when I talk about questions, whether it's the question of why I'm here, the question of what's my purpose in life, question of uh, uh, who is God to you, all those are important questions. And Jesus has this conversation with a lot of different people. He had a plethora of people around him. He had some doubters around him. He had some seekers around him. He had some followers around him. He had some notionals around him. Those notionals are the people who just like to hang out with Jesus and get the free food. They like the miracles every now and then. But when Jesus says, 
if to follow me, you, you must be willing to die, they, they walk away. If you don't believe me, read John chapter 6, verse 6. Uh, it was chapter 6, verse 66. And you'll literally see people walking away from Jesus that were following Jesus for a number of, while, a number of years, a number of, time, a number of months. But here's what I want you to see. Is they're going to ask Jesus, what is the most important thing? What's the most important? If, I, if I'm putting all the priorities, I'm putting everything out there, because see, what had happened is the, 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 the people were so religious and so committed to religion that they had developed 613 different laws just to live out the law that God had given in the Old Testament. 613. They're saying, hey, Jesus, what's the most important? And it's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they're debating back and forth amongst themselves. So it's kind of an interesting thing. And Jesus is watching, and as they're debating amongst themselves, then this scribe steps up to Jesus. Steps up to Jesus, and he asks him this question. So in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, it says this, But one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Who's them? The scribes and the, or excuse me, the Pharisees and the, and the, and the Sadducees. And seeing that he answered them well, ask him, now they're asking Jesus, they're turning to Jesus, which commandment is the most important? What's the most important? You're gonna, you, you take everything else off and you figure out what is priority of uh, priorities. And what Jesus is going to turn around and do is he's going to do what he doesn't normally do. He's going to answer the question. Normally, Jesus would turn around and ask a question, but this time he turns around and answers the question. What's the most important of all? Jesus said, answered and said, it says, the most important is. He literally launches into it and he gives it to him. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now just underscore that if you have your Bibles open or if you're using a digital Bible, highlighted. I want you to really look at, lean in on that. There is nothing more important. There's nothing priority of priorities. There's no other agenda item out there. Everything else has been taken off. See, once we set what priority one is, it helps us set priority two. It helps us set priority three in our life. But if you don't get one right, the rest of it falls apart. You got to get the first one right. So he says the most important commandment, greater than any of these, is this single commandment. Verse 32, and the scribe said to them, you are right, teacher. So the scribe is a study, a student of the word. He actually affirmed what Jesus said. You are truly, uh, you have truly said uh, that he is he is one, and that there is no one besides him. And to love him with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your understanding, and, and with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as yourself. Uh, is much more than all uh, the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Basically, the scribe says, you're right, Jesus. Because what Jesus does is he goes and he quotes from the Shema, which, hear me when I say this, this is in Deuteronomy 6, if you want to read it for yourself this week, it is the single most important verse in all the Bible. 
The single most important passage in all the Bible is not in the New Testament. It's actually in the Old Testament. It's what Jesus quotes from is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that's where he gives the Shema. In fact, it's so important if you're a devout Jew, you will recite the Shema three times a day just to make sure you got it locked and loaded inside. And so that's how important it is. The scribe affirms him, Jesus, you're on the right track. You're absolutely right. Jesus turns around and affirms this man. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him more questions. I love it because this entire chapter, if you go back and read the entire chapter, Jesus is getting peppered with questions. He's getting peppered with questions from the Pharisees and the Herodians and from the Sadducees and now from a scribe. And at this point, he's answered the questions and this one shuts them down. Because they knew at that point he was speaking truth. So I I just wanted to affirm this today. That the most important passage in the Bible is Deuteronomy 6. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6 here when he quotes from that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that literally if we're going to do the most important thing in life, what is it going to be? It is going to be knowing God in such an incredible way that there is no mistaking, that we know him in depth, in breath. We know him in our hearts. We have an intimate, personal relationship with him. I want us to see two depths of knowing God, two depths of knowing God. Number one depth of knowing God is that we have an intimate love relationship with God. Listen, listen, listen. God is not interested in dating you. This is not the dating game. God is not interested in having a sleepover with you or being your live-in, all right? Jesus wants an intimate love relationship with you. If there is one study that I have done more than any other study uh, of all the studies that are out there over the past, I don't know, 30 years, it has been the study experiencing God. We've led it through Grace Point Church a number of times because it has just helped me so many times. Anytime I make a decision, whatever big decision it is out there, I go back through experiencing God, and it just leads me through key principles on how to, how to know and discern the will of God, how to hear and listen to, to God's will. And he gives seven realities in this book. One of those realities is God is always at work around you. That's reality number one. Reality number two is that God wants an, uh, a love, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. God pursues a love relationship with you that a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personable. I want you to th- see it like this, if I can use the whiteboard for just a moment. When you understand that we have an, an incredible God... And in, in this relationship with this incredible God, he is far above us. I'm just going to put us down here. He is way above us. He is beyond us. But he did something. He came to us. He pursues a continuing love relationship with us. We don't go to him. He comes to us. 
Christmas Story 101. He comes to us, he pursues us, he builds this love relationship with us, and we can enter into this relationship with him. Look with me, if you will, again, at verse 29, he said, And Jesus answered, the most important thing, hear, O Israel, hear, America, here, wherever you're watching from today, we have people watching from Kenya and from all over the world, from Kuwait. We've had people watching from West Africa, wherever you're at. Here, oh, fill in your blank of your country. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God. He calls us. The whole relationship is built on love. This is what we got to realize, that there is a vertical line connecting us to God. And we don't build that vertical line. We don't master that vertical line. We don't make a name for ourselves, Tower of Babel, Old Testament, that God is the one who connects with us. Now, we're doing lines and circles today, okay? We'll do colors and shapes next week. Because I want you to see this, that when you think about what it means to be in a relationship with God. I'm reminded of a guy that was, for 32 years of his life, lived off his passions. Pursuing his passions, doing his passions, all that kind of stuff. He was just living for himself. His name was Augustine. And in 387 AD, he writes this statement, and it's in the very first day of the very first journal entry of his confessions. He says this, The thought of you stirs him so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you, because you made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. There is no peace until I get that line of connection between me and God. But let's talk about circles. Because God made this world and it was beautiful. We're going to study the book of Genesis in the new year. And one of the things I can barely get out of chapter 1 and chapter 2 because I'm seeing so much incredible thought that is in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that you just can't get away from. This is when every time God made something, he said it was good. Okay? Even, he, he made man. He said it wasn't good until he made woman. Now he said it was good. So it was, a, it was a complete package. There's so much to that. But not only that, in the creation story, he blesses only one of his creations. He blesses humanity. He doesn't bless the trees. He doesn't bless the fish. He doesn't bless the animals of the field. He doesn't bless the sky. He doesn't bless the sea. He doesn't bless the planets of the earth. But he does bless humanity. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 22 and 28, you read it for yourself, and the word blessing there is the word flourish. He is the idea that God wants our lives to flourish. That is God's perfect design. I want God's perfect design for my life. The problem is, is if you're living in the same world I'm living in, this is a broken world. This world has got nothing but brokenness around it. All you have to do is open up Facebook and listen to people rant. What about the, 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 the sickness that is a pandemic wrecking our, our world and changing our lives? What about the political climate that's creating division among family members? Where does all that come from? 
disease, famine, brokenness, child trafficking, racism. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from God's design. It comes from brokenness. We're living in a world of brokenness. How did we go from here to here? There's this thing called sin that happened. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, all say the same thing, that we are broken people by nature and by choice. You can't get away from it. God's design is here. Man's brokenness is here. So how do we live in this? And right in the middle is sin that is separating us. And there's all kinds of verses that I can give you, but I, I can't give it. We're going to draw more, one more circle. And this is the circle of a man named Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't just come to be a good moral example. He came to be our Savior. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead, and he gives us new life. He took our brokenness, and he put it on himself He bore our sins on himself so that we could, as he's resurrected, as he lives forever, we can live forever. So how do we go from here to here? If that's how we ended up in brokenness, how do we go from here to here? I want to put the words turn and trust. Because in Mark chapter 1, verse 15... He talks about that very thing. But also in 1 Peter 1, uh, 18, it says, or 3.18, what is it? 3.18, thank you so much. 3.18, this says, The just died for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Literally, Jesus, as we turn and trust in Jesus, and it tells us there to repent and trust in Jesus, that we can be reconnected, reunited with God, re, uh, reimagine your life with God, and, and get, get, grow in this, uh, this relationship with God that will ultimately send us back into brokenness to help bring those out of brokenness. Now, this is not new for some of you guys. You've seen this before. But what I want to share this with you is that that hopefully you will begin to see that God is doing the work. He made the design. We broke the design. God sent his son that we could get reconnected to his design. And the rest of my life, I'm going to be growing in that direction. In pursuit of a relationship with him. The man at the park made it very clear to me this week. He said, Mike, I'm not interested in Jesus. I'm interested in God. I'm not interested in Jesus. But he also, and as we sit there and talked about the brokenness that was going on right there in that situation that we were in, right in that circle that we were talking. He doesn't have an answer for this, and he's not willing to go here. So we just talked. And so whenever you're praying this week, would you pray for the man in the park? You don't have to know his name. Just pray for the man in the park that he will come to realize that God is pursuing a love relationship with him. I want to share one more thing that I see in this passage about the, the, the breadth and the depth of his love is that this love is to be expressed. This is an expressed love relationship with God. It's an intimate love relationship, but it's an expressed love relationship. Notice he gives us the parameters for this. And notice he covers every part of who we are 
He says that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, circle the word heart. All of your soul, circle the word soul. All of your mind, circle the word mind. All of your strength. He basically dissects us into four parts. And he says, in every one of those parts of your life, are you expressing your love to God? In your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your strength. See, Jesus, he tells us, or Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, that he wants to be preeminent. Preeminent means first place among everything. Also, the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. Why is, he, why is he a jealous God? Isn't it bad to be jealous? Well, when you're God and you made creation for you, no, it's okay to be jealous because he wants our love. He wants our undivided love. This December, Lori and I, and I shared this last Sunday, will be married 30 years. Okay, 30 years. We have had, I'm ready to throat punch COVID, by the way, because it has interrupted already our 30th wedding anniversary plans once. I'm trying to make plan number two, but it's still in the way, and I'm going to punch it if it doesn't get out of the way. Because, anybody want to punch it with me? We'll just all punch it at the same time. Um, It's just messing up our life. But what happens is I know this about Lori. She's a jealous person, and she ought to know this about me. I'm a jealous person. Because I don't want her love with anybody else, and she doesn't want my love with anybody else. And if you realize that what God is saying when he's a jealous God, he's like, I want your love for me greater than your love for your job, greater than your love for your home, greater than your love for your five-year plan, greater than your love for anything else. I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and all of your strength. So what does that look like? And I've given this so many times, but let it be a refresher for, 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 the, for those who've heard it, but let it be new and challenging for those who haven't heard it. This is just my mantra. This, you make your own up, you write your own, but this is what I, how do I make sure that I am putting God first and foremost in all of my life? Is I want to I want to give God the first day out of every week. I want to give God the first moments in every day. I want to give God the first dime out of every dollar. And I'm going to give God the first consideration in every decision. And if I can give God first in every area of my life, the first day out of every week, that means nothing else comes in front of that. The first moment of every day, that means when I wake up and I get my cup of coffee and I sit in that chair, the first and sweetest moments of my day, it's the, it's the only time in my life in a day I feel like that I have shalom, that I have peace. Because then the world comes rushing at me, just like you. But I start my day with him in shalom, in peace. I give him the first dime out of every dollar. That means, and it's never even a question for Lori and I. If we make a hundred dollars, ten of that goes to God. A thousand, a hundred, you just do the math. A dime out of every dollar just comes off. What, what, how did we? How do we get to that? Because God challenges. He wants our first, and He wants our best. Listen, I give, and then I live. Most people live, and then they'll give a little bit. 
do my giving before I do my living. He gets the first. Give him the first fruits, the best and the first, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 8 says. And I give God first consideration in every decision. That means how I vote. That means how I spend my life, my hours, my days, how well I live my life. The first consideration in every decision, the life that intends to be wholly obedient, wholly submissive, wholly listening, is an astonishing in its completeness. Thomas Kelly said this, The life that intends to be wholly obedient, wholly submissive, wholly listening is astonishing in its completeness. Its joy is ravishing. Its peace profound. Its humility deepest. Its power world-shaking. The love enveloping. Its love enveloping. Its simplicity that of a trusting child. Those are the words that I want to describe my life. The life that intends to be wholly obedient, wholly submissive, wholly listening is astonishing in its completeness. I want God to have the first thought in every decision. Let me ask you the question this. What is your next step of obedience? Your next step of obedience, what is it? Maybe even in this service, you've already heard. Maybe you're already ready to write down what is God showed you about himself. What's your next step of obedience? All I can encourage you, challenge you, is to take it. It will require faith, and it will require obedience. What is that next step for you? I can tell you this. I've never, ever regretted a single time, a single time that I've taken a next step of obedience to Christ. Never did I give a dime out of every dollar that I regretted giving that dime out of every dollar. Never did I give time. Never did I give energy. Never did I regret moving our family to the other side of the world. Never did I regret leaving a job that was gainfully employed to start a new place of work that had no capital and no people and no nothing. Did I ever regret that step of obedience? But I have regretted it many times. The passions of my heart take over. The anger or the, or the jealousy of my own soul takes over. I've regretted that. What's your next step of obedience? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in this space, may we begin to know what it means to love you. And to know that we love you, we can love you because you first loved us. We're invited into a love relationship with you. 
that is exclusive. It is not open. It's not an open marriage with you. And so, Father, I would pray in this room, if there's anybody who does not know you today, who's not in a relationship with you today, that, Lord, they would consider right here, right now, just saying in their seat where they're at, say, God, I want you, I want a love relationship with you. Would you do a work in us that is powerful and beautiful and forever life-changing? May we just surrender our all to you now. We pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?